This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity is turning lead to acid? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Geology Plano Cast. My name is Steve. Hello, everyone. I am Chris. Greetings and tidings. I'm Jesse. It's a new year. It's a new me. I like it. Yeah. Tidings. Tidings. That's... How long have you been thinking about that one for? Three seconds. Right. <laughs> tides. I wonder if that that segues nicely into our. No, it doesn't. Tides have nothing to do with rivers. Uh, but... They could go up the river a little. You know, away. I guess. I, I... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you uh, get tides and rivers. Yeah, the. Uh, you know. The Delaware River here in Philadelphia is tidal. Well, ladies so, and gentlemen, yeah. welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. If you <laughs> haven't picked up on it already, our topic today is river systems. Woo! And, uh, you know, I'm just going to have some fun with this one. We kind of picked, uh, we haven't done a topic in a really, really long time. Kind of like uh, dedicate a whole show to a topic. So we are going to do that today. Going back to our roots, kind of have some fun. We've got a little little outline here plan topics we, we want to talk about we'll, we'll see what we get into got some fun facts about rivers you'll probably learn at least one thing today hopefully i know i will yeah i know <laughs> I, I will too so, so I, I go into every show thinking i'm gonna learn something tonight exactly i love and, it and then you finish up just feeling disappointed <laughs> and as you walk away like hmm. uh, that's such potential I, I, actually, I, I actually lose information. <laughs> we are all now a little bit dumber after that. <laughs> Thank you. May God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, exactly. All Thank right. you, Billy Madison. There's our first 90s reference of the day. That's it. That's the first 1990s reference of the day. There you yeah. Go. There you well, go. once again, welcome, everyone. Um, so actually, we, didn't even, we should probably talk about this before we start to record, but you just want to jump right into the river thing? Do we have any news stories? No, uh, it's just, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, go ahead, Jesse. I was gonna say I got a few, but I didn't really. I was I was saving it all for this topic. I got the Earth is spinning faster. We'll yeah, I saw that. It, talk about it next week. Yeah, I, I have a few topics too, but again, I, I I didn't go too in depth in them because I was I was super stoked about rivers. But yeah. uh, well, what's you know, the Earth and, spinning? Can we talk about this Earth spinning? What's it? Earthquake or something like that? Change? No, the, no, you know? no. It's uh, it has to do with like atmospheric pressure, tidal yeah. lows. Like, oh. It's it's a bunch of different things that coalesce, and it's now spinning faster than it has in the last fifty years. Normally, yeah. we have a leap second where we add a second. Yeah. This year, it's spinning so fast, and might actually delete a second. Oh, well, we will talk about that next week because I'm actually interested in that one. Yeah, as opposed to the other stories we talked about yeah, on here that I don't say. care about at all, <laughs> and I just phone it in. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, definitely talk about that next week. Yeah. So there's your there's your uh, I don't know, not a spoiler a spoiler alert. No, what would we call that? Teaser. Teaser. Thank you. Here's your Ooh, teaser yeah. for next week. We'll talk about um, the Earth, the day getting faster. Cool. All right, so let's jump then, into rivers. Also, oh. next week we're going to talk about the greatest geological topic of all time. Oh, I don't know what that is yet, but I just thought I'd throw another oh, teaser so out there. Ladies and gentlemen, he's just lying to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Alternative facts, right there. I can't wait. All yeah. right, all right. 
uh, no, there, there was enough news uh, this week on the planet to fill up our news cycle. So let's just, let's just go with a regular old topic this week, I think. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, who wants to kick things off with this? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about, we're going to talk about rivers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm going to leave it up to Chris and Jesse. All right. <laughs> so um, I actually have a fun. Oh, I actually, we're, I'm kind of jumping ahead. I'll, I'll wait. We got, we got little, I got little fun, fun facts about today's topic kind of peppered in here. So we'll uh, get to that. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to start off, Steve, or what? Uh, no. Okay. So, <laughs> well, you know, all right, well, let's real, listen. real quick. Let's talk about uh, our website now has more merchandise. Oh yeah. Yeah. We should uh, real, real quick. Like real quick. I, we asked, we are going to talk about rivers. I want to jump in, into it. Uh, but just real quick, if you go to our website, www.geologyflannelcast.com, we're now selling shirts and hoodies and, uh, mugs and stickers and uh, check it out um you know this is our first foray into t-shirts so uh take a look if you think we can improve upon it send us a, a email or leave a comment or something like that um but yeah we're we're you know we're we're dipping our toe in the commercial pool if you will so well we've been promising t-shirts since 2014 <laughs> oh yeah it's happening it's, it is it's, it's, I think in 2014, I think we said they were going to be free. They're not free. He's, uh, they're not free. But no. <laughs> they're, anyway. they're, not, they're not expensive. I mean, we promised T-shirts by 2016, and it only took us till 2021. No, before we got them right before. We got it up and running just at the very yeah, I'm, one I'm last say, days of 2020. I'm going to say 2020. It's probably the best thing that happened in 2020 was us getting our T-shirts uh, let's up on face the website. It. It, it's a low bar, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is probably the best thing that's ever happened in yeah. 2020. So, um, yeah, check out geologyflannelcast.com. Click on the merch link, and you can see all sorts of fun stuff up on there, and it helps us out a little bit with the podcast. And you get some cool stuff out of the deal, too. Yeah, so. and that should flow us right into our topic of oh. <laughs> rivers. Uh, rivers, all right. So with Like rivers, a segue machine. <laughs> yeah, so rivers are really simple, right? And this is your unscientific non-scientific non-scientific definition of a river and it's basically just it's where all the water flows that's yep. uh, about as unscientific as it gets but channelized and, flow of water and the main one of the main things driving rivers is gravity basically this is very simple water flows downhill Ooh, I most of the time hang on wait what huh one of the main things driving rivers is gravity mm-hmm what about precipitation? Well, there we go. I kind of, that's very good. You stopped me there. I, 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 I skipped a step there because we have to first talk about the hydrologic cycle before we get into rivers. Rivers are a very big part of the, of the hydro, hydrologic cycle. So I'm going to break, I don't want to spend too much time on the hydrologic cycle because that's kind of like the boring part of this. But so first you get your, you have your water on the, on the, on earth and it evaporates. We get that, we turn it from liquid water into, into water vapor. So we have evaporation or another process called transpiration. And that's when plants give off water vapor. And so it gets, gets that water vapor into the atmosphere. That water vapor condenses, falls back down to the ground in the form of precipitation. 
you know, rain, snow, sleep, whatever. Any way, any way that, that water flows back down to the ground. And, and just then, real quick, what us scientists like to cheat and just call all the water that leaves the system, we just call it evapotranspiration. That yes. way you don't have to worry about it. Is it evaporation? Is it transpiration? We just call it evapotranspiration. Just anything that's like now going into the sky. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for, for uh, just jumping in there. Uh, I just want to do it. I'm going to jump in here. All right. <laughs> do a side note uh so the earth has not always had precipitation <gasps> dun, dun, dun. was um, it on strike or something yeah way back when <laughs> Union. Uh, this is me talking again about the early earth uh it was so hot how hot was how it, hot was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so hot liquid this water couldn't exist yeah Oh, so it was, just, it was just too hot. Yeah, so all of the water... Couldn't condense. Yeah, was in the atmosphere as water vapor. And then eventually as the Earth cooled off, as, you know, after its formation, it, it, it eventually got cool enough where it could condense, and then it, it rained, and it rained, and it rained for a few years. Pro it was probably, a lot more than a few years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, several tens of thousands to probably hundreds of thousands of years. And then all of that rain filled up the all of the oceans and the rivers and <sighs> that's like was, England. Yeah, fast, yeah, Seattle. Worse forward. than Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward, here we are. All right. Well, that's thanks for adding that in there. Yeah. Um so, <laughs> so to and to to finish off the hydrologic cycle, so we got the Talked about evapotranspiration, precipitation. Now the stuff precipitates, and it base it, uh, and then we have runoff slash infiltration, and that's when, you know, that that's actually kind of what we'll be talking about today. Is that that part of the hydrologic cycle of this this water moving across the across the land into the oceans, or infiltration is when the water goes into the ground and it moves via groundwater flow. So we're not going to talk about the groundwater. Boo. at all today and that's right. my favorite part i think <laughs> uh but well, no just it, it uh infiltration versus overflow runoff think of like the the earth the soil your lawn whatever think of it as a sponge when it first starts to rain you don't really have any runoff because that sponge is now absorbing it all but at some point that sponge becomes saturated and it can't hold anymore and then everything else that lands on it just runs right off, runs into the street, runs into the river, whatever. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Gra groundwater is like, that's where my bread and butter lies. That's, that's what I deal with most of the time in my job, but we don't have to talk about that, I guess. Well, I guess, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, we're, no when we're talking say, about rivers I and the hydrologic cycle, groundwater, eventually the water that is in that sponge does end up in the rivers. It just ends well, up in the rivers much, much more slowly. To play devil's advocate, you could also say that not all portions of the earth act like a sponge. They may have impermeable surfaces. Uh, yes. Yes. Like Especially bed, Walmart parking lots. Bed, bedrock. Uh, you know, even asphalt to a certain extent. You know, yes. Uh, even lawns. Lawns are like 80 five percent impermeable like are they most, really that much yeah it's only like 15 percent gets absorbed so huh. yeah i mean have it's 15 percent versus zero but have you guys have you guys seen the asphalt that absorbs water yeah yeah, yeah. 
I've seen uh, porous concrete and stuff too that that allows the water to infiltrate down. It still has the structural strength, but it it has the open pore space that allows the water yeah, the, to get through. I mean, the impermeability of of concrete and asphalt and things like that is a huge problem in many urban areas. Especially yeah, yeah. urban streams erosion. Yeah, well, even just like flooding, if it can't infiltrate, if it's got nowhere to go, especially places that don't get a lot of rain so like it's a really big problem in las vegas mm. because when they do get rain they they usually it usually just dumps all at once and now you have all this concrete and so there's no place for it to go and so it just they actually have these big channels built under the road if you ever if you ever look into it it's actually really cool it's like an engineering feat neat yeah yeah because you, you figure it that you know, go back into my sponge analogy, that sponge holds that water for a certain amount of time and then it slowly drains out. Mm-hmm. And and that's what keeps your rivers from overflowing every single time you have a rain event because it gets absorbed into that sponge and then it slowly drains back into the rain. So if you've ever, you know, next time it, it pours where you live, take a look. When it's pouring, yes, your, your creeks and rivers are going to rise. But even after it stops raining, your creeks and rivers are still up that high. Maybe even may get a little bit higher depending upon how much impervious service you have. If you have a lot of impervious service, it's just, it's going to, your, your peak is going to be real close to the peak rain. But if you have not a lot of peak, uh, not a lot of impervious surface, I guess a lot of pervious surface. Permeable. <laughs> Permeable. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then your your creeks and streams and rivers will actually peak a little bit later because mm-hmm. all of that groundwater is then flowing back into that uh, creek after the fact. Well, that's what rivers like too. Yeah, <laughs> they like they. That's what they 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 can they can. It's like stretching out that water. The water is going to go through that stream eventually, right? Yes. If you're all at once or do you stretch it out and get little by little, you know? Right. Like electricity, it's it's like a capacitor. So you're you're storing that stuff for a little bit longer and Mm -hmm. then, and then allowing it to dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. So how about where are we keeping this water at? We talked a lot about. Um, oh, I'm a prepper. I have uh, 250 thousand gallon drum in my basement. You have a <laughs> swimming pool just in case you run out of water. We yeah. swim it. We bathe in it once in a while. Yeah. But, you know. No, no, no. Come on. That's what my gray water's for. <laughs> <laughs> so on Earth, we don't have that much fresh water. All right. So. Uh, 96.5% of the water on earth is stored in the ocean. That comes as no surprise, right? Oceans are huge. Um, 1% of the water on earth is in saline lakes and groundwater. Now, um, well, I, and then, uh, let's see, then two and a half percent of the water on earth is fresh water. And so that's the water that's important to humans, right? That's the stuff that we drink and keeps us alive and happy. So of all that, we only, we're only able to use two and a half percent of, of that water on earth. Oh man, that's great. That's so much water. Deer Park, that's good water. Oh man, <laughs> we have nothing to worry about. Yep. Well, 
it gets even better, gentlemen, because <laughs> of that two and a half percent that we can actually use to stay alive, 68.6% of that is locked up in glaciers. So gla- glaciers. Glaciers. Yeah. Glaciers. I guess, as, you know, as the climate warms, that number's going to go down. So it's like he says. Ah, the yeah. problem with that, the number's going to go down. <laughs> it's going to go in the ocean, though. It's going in yeah, the yeah, ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, if we look on the bright side of things, of, of you know, us all dying from climate change, at least it won't be. No. Nasty. No. But no. not even that. No, no. So, um, well, that's yes. a real bummer. I'm going to log off now. All right. Um, Jesse's going to cry himself to sleep right now. Jesse's going to start prepping. He's going to get his 200,000 gallon tank. Yeah. I'm going to turn the hose on and try and fill my basement up. <laughs> um, all right. So let's see. 68.6% in glaciers of the 2.5% of freshwater. Then we have uh, 30.1% of that is in groundwater. So, okay. Groundwater is a major, major resource for. Uh, we call potable water or, or drinkable water, the stuff that we use. So cool, we can tap into that. Um, and surface water and freshwater, um, I'm, ah, excuse me, surface water and other, other freshwater um, bodies make up a, a 1.3%. So, which is crazy. Think about like the Great Lakes, like all, all the lakes on the planet is 1.3%. Yeah. Plus all the Nuts. rivers, all the rivers too. In that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, the, the rivers, yes, the rivers are big. Uh, you know, I guess obviously the world, we'll get into the big, world's biggest rivers, but the world's biggest rivers are gigantic. But you th- like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen a great lake. Like it's pretty great. You can't see across it. Like it's like an ocean. Like, they, get the pretty, they get pretty big waves too. Yeah, they do. I've yeah. been in storms on the great lakes and it's terrifying. I mean, the Edmund Fitzgerald sunk. Yeah, big, big freighter. When, when when was that? Was that, uh, that was a long time ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was still a big ship. Was yeah. that one of, okay. one of those big freighters? Yeah, there there were some like uh, hurricane type storms that have hit the Great Lakes. Nineteen seventy five. Okay, seven hundred and twenty eight feet long. Jeez, wow! Louise. It's a it's a big big boat. Do you, are you? I guess you just looked it up right now. Yeah, Lake Superior. Superior. Uh, that was my next question. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if that just came off the top of Jesse's head. But yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the Evans Gerald. Oh. <laughs> Over seven hundred. You don't know that, long. you peasant. Come on. <laughs> That's a big boat. I'm just looking at some pictures. It's a ship. Here. It's not a boat. It's a ship. It, look at you, Mister Nautical. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. But so. So. <laughs> So now uh, we can further break this stuff down. Um, actually, we don't even have to. Uh, for, well, I, I have on the no, notes yeah, here. Yeah. Keep on going. Sn- okay. Yeah, snow, snow and ice makes up most of that. All right. So the, of, the, of the one point. So here's. Okay. Let's, let's recap now. Fresh water on Earth is two and a half percent of all the water. Okay. Of that two and a half percent, surface water and lakes, other freshwater um, features are the 1.3 percent of the two and a half percent right and yep. of that 1.3 percent of surface water i'm waving my arms around right now nobody can see me um 73.1 percent of that is snow and ice now i do have a question about this okay because 68.6 percent is in glaciers but then snow and ice makes up 
73.1% of that other 1.3%. Yeah, so I was wondering about that. I mean, snow and ice, I guess technically it's not like it's not glacial. Because I know like in the alpine environment on the mountains and stuff like that, you can get still... snow fields and snow packs. And it's, you know, right. it actually takes a while for that ice to turn into a glacier. It has to get compressed and right. you can I go just want... different types of ice. Um, yeah, I wanted to clarify that. Like, like the Sierra Nevadas, like for California, I don't know, maybe you've heard of this. Like, it's a big deal if they don't get a lot of snow because yeah. when that snow doesn't happen, then the spring melt doesn't happen and then they run out of water. <laughs> so, I, it's not technically a glacier, but it is still snow and ice. So, I just yeah. wanted to clarify that. That's all. Okay. So, yeah. most of that 1.3% is snow and ice. Yes. And then, uh, Going down the list, then we got 20.1% is in lakes. So you, you think of all the lakes in the world, like I said, the Great Lakes and all that stuff. We still got more freshwater locked up in snow and ice. Surficial water, I should say. Yeah. Uh, locked up in snow and ice. And then we do glakes. Uh, lakes? Uh, lakes, excuse me. <laughs> Second time great, today. We should call the Great Lakes the Glakes. The Glakes. Yeah, yeah. the Glakes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, what are you doing this summer? I'm just going to vacation at the Glakes. Vacationing at the Glakes, yeah. <laughs> We should copyright that. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. The Glakes. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the next T-shirt I designed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some some of our patrons are frantically trying to get the uh, Glakes.com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> website. All right. So going down. Okay. Our Patreon friend, Maddie. She's on it. All yeah. right. Cool. <laughs> uh, soil moisture is at 3.5%. Let's say swamps. 2.5 percent i can't rivers. believe swamp, swamps is more than rivers yeah <laughs> <laughs> our, our patreon maddie already has <laughs> glakes.com uh dollars to buy that uh we're gonna need more patreons but uh <laughs> well so i want to the one thing now i guess i do when i took these numbers it didn't say if it was volume or surface area uh that's a good question yeah and that could be the deal breaker right there i'm Mm. guessing it has to be volume because it's it atmosphere is in that number yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay okay um yeah rivers surprisingly do not make up that much of the the fresh water on earth and then uh little minute amounts uh biological water you guys know what that could be yeah, it's a uh, human's water sacks. If, yeah, if you squeeze this, put us in a. Yeah, if you squeeze all biological life out, that would be 0.22% oh, water. Sweet. Yeah. And then uh, the atmosphere is yeah, also. That, that's mostly a stat for like aliens when they come and take us. Yeah, over. yeah. Harvesting us. Yeah. <laughs> no. probably, we could just get a little bit of fresh water out of these, <laughs> yeah. these people. Yep. Yeah. So it's not, if you're like, if you're stranded in the desert with like your buddy. Yeah. It's not worth it to try and like squeeze water out of them. No, unless you're like uh, Dracula, vampire. You know. Oh, good point. You know, you might be get get a little water out of the blood. Well, it's, yeah, it's probably. I mean, you're you're mixing it with blood, so. Much yeah, you, you're rolling the dice with that one too. So that's. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, from vampires to drainage basins. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of drainage, hi <laughs> Uh I <laughs> see what I did there. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. But um, real real quick, uh, I'd like to talk about the, the fact that we have this outline in a nice Word document. Huh. Hmm. Where are you going with this, Steve? 
I'm just, you know, I'm Chris, how did you figure out how to format this there, word document? It looks like you have this down path. There's a formula. Yeah, look at there's bullet points it. and sub bullet points and <laughs> highlights and font changes. Where'd you learn all that, Chris? Well, the font changes were accidental, but <laughs> <laughs> it also it drives me a little crazy that the bullet points, some are circles and some are squares. Well, uh, it would have been better if I would have given this to the formatting yeah. formula. Oh, that's true. That that's, is very yeah, true. Yeah, so. so no, we'd like to thank our, our sponsor, the formatting formula.com, uh, formatting formula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word document formatting needs. Um, honestly, you know, I, I feel like it was, it was a good, like month in a row where I was talking about how I went to the formatting formula with a specific problem and they specifically answered it very like quickly, uh, efficiently, and just their, their depth and breadth of knowledge when it comes to word documents, just the things that you could do that, that I didn't even like fathom were possible. Um, anything you want to do with word, they, they know how to do it. They know how to change your, uh, you know, we're talking about simple things like bullet points right now, but, uh, fonts and table of contents and, um, <clears throat> hyperlinks and, uh, even customizing your toolbar at the top of the page to, you know, you, you have something that you do all the time. You do this and this and this, they can customize your toolbar. So it's just, all those things are just right there. So you don't have to do anything. They also have, you know, they, they tell me all the time, like, Oh, all you have to do is hit alt shift F four twenty seven three and tap your elbow and something happens magically. And it's amazing. So obviously that's the tap you elbow thing is specific to the form, uh, the flannel cast, but, um, <clears throat> I don't want to give away all their magic, but if you check them out on YouTube, you can learn to do it yourself. Uh, again, that's YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Check them out. Honestly, they, they have all different kinds of versions of word too. So if you're an Apple person or, uh, you know, a regular old Joe like us, um, check them out. They have all different versions, all different things. Can't say enough about them formattingformula.com check them out all right so on to thank you steve yeah on to the next topic we got here drainage basins before we get into i guess we are still talking about rivers but you know there's this term called a drainage basin and a drainage basin is basically the area that captures the water for a river so kind of how you can think of that is there's a certain area out there. And, and usually the drainage basins, before I get into this next thing I want to say, uh, the drainage basins are divided or they're, they're bordered by topographic highs. And that's kind of what constrains the, uh, the, the drainage basin. Right? Ooh, real quick. Yes. L think about it. Back to our Jurassic Park episode. Okay. Where is this going? Uh, you, you have Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum put a drop of water on his hand. Yeah. And one drop goes down this knuckle, mm -hmm. down this finger. The other drop goes down the back of his hand. Mm -hmm. That That is your drainage basin. One is the front of your hand. One is the back of your hand. So his knuckles are the drainage divide. Exactly. Yeah. So that continental divide, sometimes it's called, because usually it's like, you know, if you if you split that whole drainage basin based on a continent, then 
you call that the continent divide. So, yeah, you can you can think of if it, if you're standing somewhere and if it rains over an entire area, the if if that rain, it, it's a defined area, and any water that falls in that area will end up in the river if it's surface water. Yeah, and it also infiltrate. So yeah. Yeah, on the you, east on the east coast, sometimes we have there's actually signs on the highway like you are now entering the Chesapeake Bay drainage basin, or you're now you know entering the Delaware River drainage basin. Like sometimes they have big signs like that because if you're a trucker hauling something god awful and you have an accident, you know <laughs> what drainage basin what? you you might be polluting. <laughs> I, I don't think that's why they have those signs. But <laughs> I, I, on highways, I'm not so sure that it's that's not why. If, especially if, if the drainage basin is a small drainage basin. You see this in central Pennsylvania. Um, if it's a small drainage basin that feeds into a reservoir, they'll have like signs that say, you know, drainage basin area, if spill, call this number. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because they want to protect, like they, you know, and I, I want to say there was there was a really big push in the Chesapeake Bay, huh, probably in the 90s, because it, it had become so polluted and it, it's still pretty polluted. They're doing a pretty but good job. They, yeah, they've done a good job cleaning uh, it up. But. Yeah, doing a, a really good job. But part of that was making it known to people upstream, like in northern Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. that their waste or, or you know their their water pollution ends up in the Chesapeake Bay, mm-hmm. and so I think that's part of part yeah, of their that, campaign. That, that may have been part of the initiative, like seen on like and I, uh, seventy six signs that say like you're yeah, now in the Chesapeake Bay the drainage Chesapeake basin. Bay drainage basin billboards are huge. Yeah, whereas like the Delaware, they're like the you know yeah the yeah. cardboard pizza Doesn't box. Get the love. <laughs> <laughs> so you could. You could get a storm. So say you're in the Rockies, right? So you're uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, right? And storm's coming through. The rain's coming down. You could literally be on one mountain. And on one side of the mountain, the water from that storm will flow into the Pacific Ocean. And on the other side of the mountain, on the other side of the, of the divide, you're, the, the rain will flow into the Gulf of Mexico, ultimately down the Mississippi River and that way. So yeah. Uh, depending on where you're at, you know, you can get uh, same mountain, different sides. The water goes into different spots. So, yes, um, I've, I've definitely stood on the continental divide and went to the bathroom. <laughs> very good. So you're the reason your Part pollution the right there is. The, the, uh, listen, I'm in the woods. I have to go to the bathroom. Like a little bit goes to the yes. Pacific, a little bit go to the Atlantic, just, you know, just spreading the wealth. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just I like that, showing your class. Just, yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and the next topic. <laughs> so that's what a, what a drainage the drainage basin is just the area of capture of water for for a river. Ultimately, all the all the water that that uh, any type of precipitation that flows within the drainage basin will flow. That's the area of capture for the river. And so drainage basins can change and do change over time with erosion, because if you're lower oh, okay, these topographic yeah. highs. You're changing how the water flows, and and you know, it, I mean, it's all gravity, so it it doesn't, it's not 
overly complicated trying to figure it out, but you can have a ridge line that erodes. And if it erodes down far enough, you could have a river that changes course because it's, you know, it's, it's drainage basin has changed so much. Yeah. That has happened, you know, where you have uh, rivers that flow backwards, we float flow backwards, meaning they were flowing a different direction. And so we refer to this sometimes as um, stream piracy, right? Where, where. uh, Yar, tis be true. If a river starts capturing from a different drainage basin due to say, this is the city of Chicago dealt with this. Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent here, but the city of Chicago dealt with this uh, in the early, in the, in the late 19th century, they, you know, it became a, a big, it was a railroad hub and they had a, all of the stockyards were in the city of Chicago because they brought all the <clears throat> cattle and whatnot from the Great Plains. And so they basically had a lot of pollution. Stockyards are uh, very polluted or they cause a lot of pollution. And that was causing Lake Michigan to become very polluted because everything sort of runs into Lake Michigan. And so what they ended up doing <clears throat> was, was basically creating lowering they they essentially dredged out the chicago river and and changed the topography so that instead of draining into lake michigan it now drained out of lake michigan so instead of carrying all of the pollution into the lake it carried it now what was now downstream into illinois and indiana which you know bummer for the people now downstream because they're dealing with all that pollution, but all they yeah. did was change the divide. Mm-hmm. They lowered the topography, so all of that surface water ran in a different direction. Yeah, we talked about like Lake Pinyur. Well, last was it last I, week or two weeks I, ago? Yeah, yeah, like uh, the last. I think the last episode. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever. It was a real recent one. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, so it's how that made the. The lake was drained by accident, anthropogenically drained <laughs> yes. into the salt mine, and it was a lower. It was it was down. The base level was lower, and the Gulf of Mexico was draining into the lake, into Lake Pignor. Yep. And, and you think about like I, you know, at least I did. Like I always thought, like oh well, everything ends up in the ocean. Well, you you do have spots that yep. where the rivers drain down, and then they don't make it to the ocean, like Great, Great, Great Salt, salt lake. lake. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> yeah. yeah so um yeah so what they they call those is a word uh sinks waters is it uh, uh i want to say there was a um there's a there's a term for that but it's um where the, there's no outlet yeah there's no out it doesn't drain into the ocean uh, re, uh restricted basin restricted okay okay yeah i don't that's what i always call it mm-hmm. so yeah but it's uh not not all water ultimately flows into the into the ocean once in a blue moon you get some smaller areas and that's why the great salt lake is so salty it doesn't just does there's no outlet everything just kind of flows oh. into there and uh i thought oh, i was just angry it's just... <laughs> <laughs> but don't where's your crickets chris <laughs> i'm working on them <laughs> um all right so we see we have drainage space i don't know i'm just trying to <laughs> i'm just trying to keep this podcast on task Try to, you know, we're we're doing great today. We're like a level of professionalism. Carry on, carry we're on. Like seventy percent professional today, which is which is up, which pretty is high. exponentially yeah. up. Usually, 
um, compared to what we've had in the past. All right. So in a river system, you get these different zones uh, in terms of sediment. What's going on uh, with your sediment? Because rivers. Uh, so a, a lake is called endohetic lake that doesn't have a drainage. Oh, say that one more time. How, what was that? Endoretic lake. Endoretic. Okay. There you go. That, that's because, from our Patreon, Maddie. Thank you. Yeah. Endoreic. Endoreic. I, w- I was muted there for a second and I was trying to unmute. I was like, <laughs> couldn't find my I was like, no, no. Why is Steve saying it wrong? Endoreic. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you, Maddie. Yes. The, uh, the flannel cast fact checker right there. And by the way, Maddie just set up glakes.com. Glake. Oh, what was it? Glake. Glakescom.wordpress.com. So yes, it was very impressive how fast she set that up. Like like in minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely pictures of of lakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Pre- so- pretty soon, everybody's going to be listening to Maddie's podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so rivers rivers move around a lot of sediments. So if you've ever seen uh, a river in flood stage. It has this like brown, icky color to it, and it looks like really gross. But it's just what's, what's happening there is that rivers, just when it's in flood stage, it's very energetic and it's moving around a lot of sediment. And so, but just on a on a like a nice like normal day when it's when when we don't have a storm, it's not in flood stage. You know, it, it it'll, the the river will look you know clearer, uh, a bluish or a greenish color, or whatever. Um, so. Uh, said, but rivers are moving around a lot of sediment. So we have these different zones in regards of what, what's going on with the sediment for, for the river. So at the headlands, like basically we're talking about like where the river starts. Rivers, you know, uh, like theoretically your, your textbook river, you'll see like in whatever geology 101 textbook you're looking at starts in the mountains. All right. It's coming. Uh, the water is dr- basically draining off the mountains and, uh, and so we call that the headlands, where basically where the, where the where the river starts. Right? So we have this area called the zone of sediment production. And so what's happening is in your textbook river system, you're coming off the mountains, uh, and the mountains are shedding lots of sediment. We talked about this before in the podcast. We talked about several several mountain you know mountain systems being formed and. Uh, mountains. We always talk about when mountains are uplifted or they're growing. When mountains are actively growing, they're mo- they're being uplifted at a faster rate than they're being eroded down. As soon as mountains start coming up, they start becoming, they start eroding and they start just shedding sediment like crazy. Mother nature hates mountains. She wants to flatten them all. So anyways, in this area, in the headlands, we are close, you know, theoretically in your perfect rivers uh, textbook situation, this is where you're in the mountains and this is where the mountains are shedding the sediment and the rivers are taking that sediment and uh, and it's, it's kind of collecting it in the, in the headlands. So- Oh, they're also because they're at higher elevation they're steep and so you have uh the rivers are flowing downhill faster because mm. gravity is pulling mm-hmm. them down mm-hmm. so you have all of the sediment and you have all of this energy in the water itself to pick up and carry that sediment. yeah think of it like a, a pressure washer versus like a a weak hose mm. yeah yeah. We, so the faster the water is moving and running, uh, you know, the more energy it has, it, it'll move. It'll move uh, larger amounts of sediment with that higher energy setting. 
Yes. So, so now we're now when you move down gradient, we're getting away from the headlands, you know, away from the mountains, theoretically. Um, we turn it, it turns into what we call the zone of sediment transport, and that's when your sediment is uh, moving through these sections called trunk streams. And this is where your river starts to look more of like the the typical river that that you might see. Um, you might see like, like the Mississippi River, how it's a, a, a main. Uh, there's like a, a main uh, channel coming down. Yeah. So all these little tributaries are already mm-hmm. they're coming together, and now now you got this one big mamba jamba heading downstream yeah and so in those areas so the, the gradient flattens out it's not as steep as it would be up in the mountains so you're not getting the sediment production the rocks aren't breaking down and uh whatever most of the stuff that's uh it, it, most of the sediment that's in the system it stays in there it's just being pushed along pushed down pushed downstream it's it's almost like you're in the zone of sediment transport this is transporting the sediment so then and and then as you move further down stream to where your river flows into a large standing body of water, whether it be most of the time, let's just say it's an ocean for, you know, in your, in your textbook geology 101 uh, example, what happens is when the river hits the ocean or a larger, you know, large, like a golf or a bay or whatever you want to say, it's almost like the river, when it flows into that larger body, it's almost like it hits a brick wall, right? And it killed the, it kills the velocity. And as a result, it doesn't, it, the river loses energy. And so when it loses energy, it dumps off all the sediment plop. And this is where we start to get, uh, we get uh, river deltas forming. All right. Just all that sediment that came off of the river plop can't be moved anymore. And uh, so you can get these river deltas forming uh, this, this sediment that gets deposited uh, can get moved around by wave action um, uh, sometimes get moved far offshore by ocean currents, but it basically what happens is in this zone of sediment deposition, when this water reaches this larger standing body, or, I'm sorry, the river reaches this larger standing body of water. It just, it's all about just dumping the sediment and just getting rid of it. So those are the kind of, you can say it like, uh, the three zones are kind of like what's explaining what the river, how the river's treating sediment in its journey from eroding off of uh, being weathered down and eroded off of the parent rock and just being dumped off somewhere else. And that's kind of one of the main stages or that's a a main process on how we get sedimentary rocks forming. So that's important in, in um, basically several, several fields of geology. Yeah. You either get the, the river, the flood plains, like when, when you have a flood and then the river's, overbank and then you get all this mud depositing down and you get this mud deposits or you actually get the deposition in the oceans you know it's basically like chris said mother nature hates topography so it's buzz sawing down all these mountains but when you you know i don't know how many of you do woodworking but when you chop stuff you end up with sawdust that sawdust has to end up somewhere and that's that's essentially what mother nature is doing yeah yeah mother nature is getting rid of the salt dust <laughs> yeah dumping it downstream into an ocean there you go but you shouldn't dump your trash in the ocean that's not what we're saying here at the geology <laughs> flywheel cast <laughs> the takeaway here yeah i guess you could dump the rocks in the ocean that's fine you know that's what mother nature is doing but <laughs> please properly dispose of your waste yeah even too much sediment is bad yeah 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 
At the the number one pollutant in all of rivers is sediment. And that's, I mean, that's part of the problem with the Mississippi now is that <clears throat> the rivers naturally carry sediment, but they also naturally flood. And so when they flood, they go outside the banks of the channel and they dump that sediment because they lose the, ener- the energies inside the channel. And so they lose that energy. And so they dump the sediment that's in the water. And, you know, that's how you replenish the, the floodplain. And that's why you get early agriculture along, say, the Nile or the Tigris and the mm-hmm. Euphrates mm-hmm. back in the day. It's because it would annually flood or semi-annually flood and it would add these natural nutrients to these, these fields. But we've, we've manipulated and manhandled the Mississippi River to prevent flooding. We've built man-made dikes. And so now the river can't flood. And so it just collects sediment and that sediment just uh, collects more and more as it moves downstream and collects more from other little tributaries that by the time it gets to the Gulf of Mexico, <clears throat> it, it's depositing a higher volume of sediment than it naturally would. And that's why you have this big dead zone right at the, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, right at the Mississippi Delta. Because, you know, fish and other little sea creatures, they don't care for that sediment. Well, there's uh, one of the other reasons for these dead zones. And there's, it's actually scary if you look at the amount of dead zones uh, along like the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean. It's, you'd be stunned how many, of these, uh, how many of these documented dead zones there are. A lot of it also has to just do with pollutants in the river itself, yeah. too, coming out. And that was too many, too many nutrients. But, but, but the one, one thing that people may not know, you might think like, okay, why is it really bad if there's like a lot of silt in the river? Who cares? How is that polluting? Like that's, that's natural, you know? Well, what ends up happening is it clogs fish gills up. So then basically, if there's too much sediment, the fish can't breathe, all right? And then they die. So it's basically if there's too much sediment in the water, it it can suffocate uh, fish. Yeah. And I threw that set out that that sediment is the number one pollutant. And uh, again, like Chris just iterated that. What? Who cares? Well, no, like when you're doing construction, uh, like you see all those silk fences and you may see those hay bales. And you may see all this extra stuff and you're like, so you should Why? see these like, yeah, you'll see these like around construction sites, these tubes. And sometimes you just fill the tubes up with leaves or, or mulch or yeah. yeah. And, and it's that's all to stop in- the sediment coming off of the construction sites. You take off all the vegetation and when it rains, you just see all the sediment getting dumped down. Exactly. And if that sediment dumps into the river, like Chris said, it kills the fish, it kills the wildlife and, you know, and then you have devastation downstream. And for, I don't know, almost centuries nobody really thought about that now we're really recognizing that that is a huge issue and now whenever you do any sort of construction you need to have a what's called a, a sediment plan or you know a runoff plan or you know sediment transportation plan you know some some sort of plan to mitigate the runoff from your construction site to make sure that that sediment does not end up in the creeks or rivers. Yeah. So, I mean, you could see, even with all this stuff in, in place to avoid getting the sediment to go into the, the creeks and rivers and what the, the surrounding streams, it still happens. I mean, it, so I, I, every, just about every time, if you ever walk past a construction site, like I said, you, if they're digging stuff up, they remove the vegetation 
And anytime there's a thunderstorm, that set it just it, the runoff is just pulling that sediment off, right? That sediment's being transported, and you can actually see the brown, basically the brown runoff coming off of these construction sites. So, like you see it a lot in the summertime when you, if, you, if you're in an area that gets like pop up thunderstorms, like by where I live, um, all the time, just these construction zones. As much as as much as they try to stop this, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a way you can stop it 100%. You still see it kind of coming off of the construction uh, and. and- you know, that's not okay. You got to figure out a way to stop it. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're manhandling or manipulating this topography, you need to figure out a way to keep it as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and yes, is it pretty much impossible? Yes, but you got to try, you got to try as best you can. Because mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, erosion and sediment control, like is a big deal. It's, it's, it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So there's a couple different patterns that rivers and streams make on the surface. Uh, we call these uh, drainage patterns. And so there's a there's a bunch of these uh, drainage patterns. We're just going to hit the. You guys want to hit the most common ones? I think we should. Let's just, yeah, we'll just, I mean, we'll just... I I don't even teach it when I teach it. I'm like, yeah, they make different patterns based on geology. and uh, and honestly like like a radial pattern yeah if you have like a volcano (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) well carry on so i I was picking i was picking the least probable pattern (laughs) so before we get into this i just want there's other types of drainage patterns here but you know it's you know what? This is really hard to talk about on a podcast too. We need, this is one of the things like we yeah. need, we need visuals yeah, here. So, you know, what? if I'm sorry, but we're going to go over this. We're going to mention some of these the most common ones, but we're just going to do this really fast because it's, like I said, it's just, it's not easy to do this. Um, just, just verbally. So maybe we'll come up, do something later on or probably not, but <laughs> this is just, I want to try to do this in 30 seconds. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to teach Chris animation and he's going to dial it up and put it on YouTube. Sure. Just, just add it to the list of everything yep, else. Yep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's go off with the, let's start off with the most common one dendritic. All right. A dendritic drainage pattern. It looks like, uh, how would you, I, I always describe it as like, if you look at like what human nerve cells look like, how it's all kind of like bushy and then it kind of go crunches down into a single, a single trunk. Yeah, think of a way to describe it. Think of a leaf as a a leaf goes out, the the veins of a leaf go out. Think of it the other way around. The veins of a leaf are coming back to the center. Mm -hmm. So you have lots of tributaries and all everything's flowing into a main trunk. Yep. That's probably one of the hardest ones to describe without visuals, but it's like the most common type of drainage pattern that rivers make. Um and then the next we have radial. Steve, go ahead. You mentioned you wanted to talk uh, about radio. You know, <laughs> radio ba- basically you have. I don't want to steal have, your thunder over here. You know, no. You you have one central topographic high, like a mountain or a volcano, and the rain is raining down, and there there is no one specific direction. Like not everything's going off to the left or going off to the right. It's actually going off in a three hundred sixty degree pattern around this topographic high so they call it radial because it's like radians of an arc and just going off in every direction Mm -hmm. um so once that's so by the way this stuff is is uh 
these are all tectonically derived. So basically, it, it either like the the bedrock. What, what type of geology do we have here, or what type of tectonic feature, or what type of geologic features uh, are on the ground that are related to tectonics cause cause these drainage patterns, right? So like volcanoes, obviously tectonically derived, right? Um, the next one that we have is rectangular drainage, and this one's really simple to describe uh, without any visuals. Basically, your stream makes 90 degree bends, yeah. right angle so bends. It's all dug by robots. Exactly. Canals, robots <laughs> dug the canals. And yes, no, this is actually bedrock derived. Uh, you see it in, well, it's also tectonically too, but uh, things called uh, joints, right? Uh, jointing. And these are cracks in the rock that come from pressure, right? It's. <laughs> I'm just guess, sorry. I'm laughing because you said joints and crack rock all all in the same sentence. All right. You know what? I'm trying to be professional here. <laughs> I'm listening. Carry where on. Where your mind's going. I yeah, it, you know, I giggled, I giggled. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> Carry on. I am a 12-year-old boy. Carry on. Jointing happens when you uh there, there's pressure pushing in on the rock and the rock cracks at uh it's kind of all cracking along in the same direction, right? But it's different from a fault. There's no actual offset or movement involved with these cracks. What ends up happening is with, uh, with the rock, you get these joints, these cracks occurring at 90 degree angles. And as the water's flowing down, it gets stuck in those, uh, those cracks, the joints. And that's why it makes these 90 degree bends. And uh, the last one uh, we'll just talk about real fast is trellis drainage. You can get these rivers that are stuck in ridgeline. So I guess the best way to describe this is like the Appalachian Mountains here on the east coast of the US are made of lots of ridges and valleys. These elongated ridges, these long elongated ridges. And in between the ridges, obviously you have the, the lowlands, the valleys. So if you're a river, you're flowing and you're stuck in between the two ridges, you have to stay in the valley. You, there's, there's nowhere to go. The river's not going to flow up the ridgeline and over. All right. So it's kind of stuck and they just flow. The rivers are stuck in the valleys and they flow along the valleys until there is a break in the ridgeline and then it can scoot over to the next the next valley or, or something like that. So usually with trellis drainage, you're looking for that that ridge and valley type system. I said we see that a ton here on the East Coast in the Appalachian Mountains. All right. How was that without any visuals? That was <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Good enough. Um, yeah, it was it was okay. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's other types of drainage patterns that rivers make, but uh, like I said, we're just, we just wanted to just burn through um, that real fast. I mean, the drainage patterns are interesting, and they're they're cool when you look at them on a map and you see them or whatever. And I, I know. If there's uh -oh. a, Where are you going with this one, big guy? <laughs> I, if there's if there's a fluvial geomorphologist listening, this might wrinkle their feathers, but it doesn't matter. Well, well, <laughs> well, well, all right, mute him, yeah. get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and well, you know, you, just, as you get more and more into the main system of the river, you're you're unaffected by the. The drainage pattern. I understand where you're kind of come from. I'm going to play devil's advocate with yeah. you. All right. It's an easy way to figure out what the, what's going on with the geology, the yeah. underlying geology. Yeah, it's neat. And, and it it yeah. tells a, a lot of information. 
but are you are you going to tell me that uh, a dendritic drainage pattern versus a, a, a trellis drainage pattern is going to affect the type of river system, or how much drainage there is, or? Well, no, you're not. You're not. You're not going to. All right. No, all right. Well, let's call it a night. All right, Jesse right. wins. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I know I'm being sort of a you know silly. I'm being a little silly, and I, <laughs> I I'm just tired. I didn't get much sleep last night. I apologize. I don't All mean right. I don't mean to be such a jerk. Yeah, sorry. We we're doing this on a different night. Uh, Jesse normally raves on Thursday nights, so it's Thursday. Friday night. Oh, oh, he's up late. Yeah, yeah. Night. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Thursday, Red Red Bulls and yeah, yeah. So. Nothing better during a pandemic than a foam party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a pure l foam yeah, my, my eyes my eyes <laughs> oh, i can see no, clearly now that, that's it tastes me. like burning that's me being a little grumpy yeah drainage pattern matter mm. no no i understand so yes and and gradient uh we did talk about uh factors that affect affect a flow velocity how does that earlier the glakes affect it can cause an inflection i guess yes it changes course um yeah Let's... so we guys we got this one thing here but factors that affect uh, i just said it too <laughs> i'll take over so there's there's really only a few things that are going to influence there you go <laughs> Uh, the, the flow velocity uh, of a of a a fluvial system yeah one of them is gradient and we talked about that how yeah. if you're in the mountains the gradient, it's fast yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, there's the shape of the channel oh okay see uh you know what chris jesse and i were talking about this earlier in the week i'm like rivers yeah water flows downhill done <laughs> and i was vetoed quickly but uh Yes. So shape of the channel also affects it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, oh, do you want to go into this? Justin? No, you, you, you've, I've already dug my hole. No. <laughs> float me down the river on my pyre. <laughs> I will shoot flaming arrows at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, is he uh, up the Creek without a paddle? Yeah. That's... Oh, <laughs> no. um, so we can go into this. It actually gets fairly complicated. And I, I you know, I, I have all this complicated stuff here, but I'm just going to try to make this simple. The shape, the cross-sectional shape of the channel affects uh, how fast the velocity is of the water flowing through the channel. So if you, by cross-section, I mean, if you take a slice, you slice the river uh, like perpendicular to the direction it's flowing, uh, and you're looking at that, that U-shaped channel that, that the river has, um, basically, the, the the shape of that can affect the um, the velocity of the channel. Um, so uh, you know, we call this. Uh, re- you're looking at uh, basically the amount of flow that makes contact with the edges of the stream channel, and you know, just to make this simple, you can get frictional drag happening if you have a lot of surface area touching, or uh, yeah, if you have a lot of uh, a lot of ground touching touching the water 
then that's actually going to, like I said, create frictional drag and slow it down. Yeah, the wetted um, perimeter. Yes, that's called the I, I yeah the wetted perimeter. Sorry. I don't know. Should I get into this or is this too? Uh, too no, no. But but like if you, if you're really wide and thin, mm-hmm. it's going to be slow. If you're really yes, lots narrow friction. and deep, it's going to be fast. It's going to be fast in the middle. In the middle. In the middle. Yes. Yes. So velocity changes as you go from the edge of the channel boundary towards the middle. It goes faster and faster and faster. That's why you don't see like white water rapid people on the Mississippi or the Delaware or rafters. Yeah, Th- those are just called tubers. They just sit in their tube and drink beers. Drink beer, That's, yeah. Float yeah. cooler down the river. Exactly. <laughs> My kind of river adventure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the the white river in Idaho or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, because th- those rivers may be passing the same amount of cubic feet of water, but because of the shape, it is a, a vastly different velocity. Mm-hmm. So moving on, the other thing that can affect the velocity is um, uh, basically the channel, the roughness of the channel, how jagged, basically, how rough is the edges of the channel. Um, that, once again, frictional drag, any type of frictional drag that's ultimately going to slow, slow the river velocity down. Um, you know, the channel size also, we kind of talked about that. That channel size is kind of related to, to mm-hmm. channel shape there. Um, you know, your maximum river flow is going to happen at what's called bank full. That's right before the river channel overflows onto the floodplain, right before it, yeah, you have a flood and it overflows. If, and if you've heard on the news where they talk about flood stage, mm. flood stage is right above bank flow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Overflows its banks. It is now flooding. And so whenever you, you, you see, if, if you watch the news or something and they talk about the flood stage, it's, it's what they're talking about. They know the level it is because they, they know how high it has to go mm-hmm. over to spill over the banks. And there's a lot of work too. That they uh, each township develops flood maps. Yeah. Uh, to figure, you know, and you have you're not supposed to build within the zone of the 100 year flood, which means statistically that's the that's the size of the flood. Well, that's the size you, of the you flood. Have a one percent chance that it's going to happen that year. Yes, yes. Like, statistically, yes. it happens once every 100 years. So, yeah. yes. And, but yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a tricky statistic. You have a one cent chance every year of that flood happening. And they're they're redoing a lot of the flood maps because of climate change. Climate Stuff's changed, change, yeah, and uh, yeah. and there's been there's been some changes to the National Flood Insurance Program, which is a whole different Yeah. And, and that's that's an interesting story because back in the day you used to be able to buy flood insurance from like companies like like you know liberty mutual or i don't know it used to be able to buy flood insurance and then insurance companies realize there's no money in flood insurance they abandon flood insurance there's there's no so the u.s government had to step in and say like okay like we will offer people flood insurance and then it became okay. You have to buy flood insurance if you live in within yada 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 feet of a flood zone. <clears throat> it's and if you don't, then you you don't. I'm sorry, you don't have to. But if you don't, you you just don't have insurance, and then your house gets washed away, and that's it. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, for and for a long time, and I think this is one of the changes. If you wanted a mortgage, you had to buy. Well, yeah, yes, yes. Sorry, yes. If you if you buy within a certain uh, flood stage, you have to. Once you pay your house off, you can get rid of the the insurance. No, I I think you have to. I want to say you because this is part of the part of the problem, and uh, oversimplifying things a lot here, is that it was it was developed because there was all of this flooding in the Mississippi Valley in, in like the 30s. Mm-hmm. It's half the reason we have the, you know, the Tennessee Valley Authority. Part of it was to control flooding. Part of it was to electrify, electrify that, that region of the country to, you know, put ele- hydroelectric dams. But it, 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 it got adapted for coastal use. Mm-hmm. And so you have these areas, especially in recent years, that are just getting hammered by hurricanes. And a lot of the houses that are, that are because it's a government program, it's highly subsidized. And so you have houses that are, you know, getting this relatively cheap insurance. And then a hurricane comes through and it wipes out, you know, a $2 million home. Mm-hmm. And so it's essentially, you know, in the, in the past 10 or 15 years with all of these hurricanes, just broke the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and some people, uh, some houses are just, they're saying, no, you can no longer be insured. And it's becoming an issue because you're like, what are you saying? Like, this is my home. And it's like, well, you've been flooded out three times in the last decade. So <laughs> and that's New Jersey did that where they, <clears throat> they changed, you know, the, the level at which your house has to be raised from three feet to six feet now. So all yeah. new construction. Mm-hmm. It has to be at least six yeah. feet. So, so, yeah, they, you know, o- over some, some people worry about over government influence. And, and I get that like, oh, my grandma can't afford to raise her house to six feet. But at the same time, climate change is happening and, and your grandma's house is going to be flooded. It, it might not have been flooded for the last 80 years, but it's going to, it's going to be flooded in the next one. And, and that's the thing, like, it's not going to take a, a hurricane to flood it anymore you're just going to have like a normal winter storm roll through yeah and a storm that may have you know raised put six inches on the ground is now going to be well wet. you know what one other thing too it's not just climate change it's continued urbanization as well which ah. can cause more yeah. flooding exactly like we talked about earlier with the yeah. the over uh, impervious surface. surface yeah yeah so Boom. if cities that's another thing reason uh, that people they're looking, you know, I guess certain cities are looking to redo their hundred year flood maps is because the cities have grown and now maybe there's a lot more parking lot areas and stuff like that. And that water's just jumping right into the river really fast. And then whoop, levels go up really fast. The river can't handle it. So that's just another thing too. So more, nice. uh, you know, once again, another anthropogenic influence. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it's interesting in cities in the Northeast, for instance, Philadelphia, like if you own a big chunk of land with impervious surfaces, um, your water bill no longer is how much water you use. It's how much impervious surface you have. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you own a parking lot, your water bill is astronomical, even though you don't use any water because that runoff goes into the wastewater treatment plant and has to be serviced. So, um, yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to hit you where it hurts, I guess, in your wallet. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, 
our Patreon, Maddie says, internet research says if you don't have a mortgage, you don't have to be forced to buy flood insurance. So yes, that is that, no, that is correct for a lot of things. Like if you if you don't have a mortgage, you don't technically need to buy like title insurance or any any right. type of insurance. However, uh, that also means you're you're not insured. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, you save a little bit of money not paying for insurance, but you're not insured. So, all right, let's. Uh, that took a turn. I didn't realize you were talking about. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yes. I was wondering when I mentioned the hundred-year flood. I was like, "Oh, this is going off." I knew that this, <laughs> this was going off script, but no, that was cool. That was, that was a cool, cool part to add to the podcast. Um, I got some. I think this next section here. I want to talk about this because we'll have some a lot of really fun facts here. Um, and first, I want to talk about the term discharge uh, of a river. Okay. And so discharge is basically the volume of water moving through the river uh, or stream. doesn't even have to be a river moving through the stream. Um, uh, the volume of water moving through the stream uh, per, per, during, uh, per time, per, you know, we measure it in per unit time, per yeah. unit time. Thank you. I, I really flubbed that one there. Uh, <laughs> I know what it means. I swear to God. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cubic feet per second or cubic miles per year, whatever you, however you want to deal it. Yeah, so usually it's it's the rivers are cubic feet per second or cubic meters per second. Okay, uh, so with that, now we know the term discharge. Uh, I have a list here of the top ten largest rivers on Earth by discharge. This isn't by Ooh. length. This is by just how much water is flowing out of these rivers. All right. Can I can I try to name all ten? Yeah, you looked at a list already. <laughs> but <it's> <laughs> ah, shoot! All right. <laughs> I was going to yeah, rattle them yeah. off real quick and look like yeah. an expert, <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Fine. <laughs> um, I, so I don't know this, this could take, we could do a whole podcast just going through the top 10 here, but uh, how do you guys want to break this out? What do you think we should do? I'll do ten, 10 through seven. All right, go ahead. All right. The Piranha river in Brazil and Paraguay, Argentina blows into the Atlantic uh, it's about 3,030 miles long, discharge 526,000 cubic feet per second. Holy cow. Fun fact, the only other longer river in South America is, uh, we'll leave that for next. Don't don't forget to give, uh, Chris did the conversion rate of cubic feet per second here, because it's tough to picture that in your head. Oh, well, yes. That's uh, 14,900 meters cubed per second. <laughs> No, or no. 2,980 elephants per second. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. That's a lot of elephants per second. Yeah. yeah it's right. almost 3,000 elephants per second getting dumped out of the, the Prada River there. Almost, almost. But almost. the Lena River in Lena. Siberia, which Lena. flows Lena. north, Lena River. Okay. Okay. Which, Let, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I got really excited there. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> oh, I got to Northish. The length is uh, uh, shorter. It's only 2,668 miles long, 11th in the world. Uh, it has a discharge of 3,100 elephants per second. Yeah, let's just leave it with the elephants per second. Yeah, like well, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, permafrost underlies most of its catchment, about 77%. Then we have the MISSISSI. Hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. What, what, what? Hold the phone, Joan. All right. 
there is this this misnomer. There's a misnomer out there that all the rivers flow towards the equator, right? And I just want to let you know that is not true at all. Rivers flow downhill, and that's it. The Lena River in Siberia is the perfect example. It actually flows north through Russia into the Arctic Ocean. So that's my two cents. I get a lot of people saying, oh, uh, you know, like rivers in the Northern Hemisphere have to flow south. No, they don't. They that's just what flow I just said. It flows north. You said right. it flows north, but I just wanted to let everyone know you don't have to have a. I'm sorry. All right. You kind of no. hit a pet peeve there of mine. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very sorry. One of my pet peeves is, is that it's called Lena and not Lena. <laughs> yeah. You yelled at me four times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I get that from from Ilya in our department. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Sorry, uh, Ilya. The Lena. The Lena River, you have to say? Lena. Oh, it's Lena. Lena. Yeah. Lena, like Helena. Okay. Okay. You would say. All right. All right, Steve. Go ahead. Number eight. Uh, Number eight on the list. This Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. A lot of S's and I's in there. Yeah. M I S S I S S I P P I. uh, Mississippi River uh, in the United States with some tributaries in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Good day. Uh, Flows into the Gulf of Mexico. Length is 2,000. 320 miles discharge is 593,000 cubic feet per second or approximately 3,360 elephants per second. Fun fact, second longest river in the United States behind the Missouri river, which is. Eh, I, I, yeah. What, I, not a fan of the Missouri river. No, I disagree with that fact. Yeah. Is Cause the Missouri runs into the Mississippi. So, yeah. you know, uh, but anyway, uh, the yeah. second largest drainage system in North America behind the Hudson Bay drainage system. So, which is pretty cool because it's pretty much a big giant chunk of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oronco River, Orinoco, Orinoco, like I said, Orinoco River in Colombia and Venezuela. Flows into the Atlantic Ocean. Length is 2,250 kilometers, or about 1,400 miles. Discharge 600,000 cubic feet per second, which sounds a little too on the nose, if you think about it. And honestly, 3,400 elephants per second? Come on. It sounds like it's an an estimate. But the fun fact is the mouth of the Oronco is documented by Christopher Columbus on August 1st. 1498 during his third voyage that's crazy 1498 was his third voyage 1492 was his first that's crazy i think that was his last one too hey real fast let's that that fact that you disputed about the length of the missouri versus mississippi river Mm -hmm. all right the mississippi river is uh 2320 miles long and the missouri so let's see, 20, 2320. The Missouri, uh, the length of that is 2,341 miles long. Yeah. yeah so, but, but my point is the Missouri goes into the Mississippi. Into the Mississippi so is it yeah. all the Mississippi or is it all the Missouri? That's no, my point. I, I'm going to go to the headwaters of the Mississippi and dig a ditch that's 22 miles longer. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking up for Old Man River. I like you know it. how long it's going to take to dig a 22-mile ditch? Come uh, on. <laughs> I've got, got 16 life. miles on the Erie Canal. Come on. I left my house and 
10 months. <laughs> time. Um, All right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, Christopher Columbus. He he had four voyages. Fifteen oh two was his last one. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, there's. I I didn't read into this fully, but uh, I saw something. Because I I I, ch- I fact checked. I was looked, I looked that up, and supposedly Christopher Columbus did some not nice things on that third voyage. That uh, he is the worst. He he did Ugh. not some not nice things on lots of the voyages. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not celebrating him. I'm just no. I'm just impressed that he made it back and forth and back and forth that many times in that short of a period. I guess I just don't know my history. All right, so who's got who's got uh six five four three? I'll take it over. I'll Two one. Uh, okay, so we got another rush uh, at number six. Uh, we have the Yenisei River. Uh, that's in Russia. That once again that flows. Yenisei, Yenisei. It almost sounds like Hennessy. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and yeah. <laughs> but it, uh, so once again, that's in Russia. That flows north into the Arctic Ocean. See, it doesn't have to flow south. That is 3,487 kilometers long or 2,167 miles. And that has a discharge of 614,000 cubic feet per second. What is that in elephants per second? That's 3,480 elephants per second are flowing out of that river. That's about an elephant per kilometer. That's a lot of elephants. That's a lot of elephants coming out of that river in a second. Uh, Fun fact that the... uh, the uh, the average area i'm sorry not the average area the average volume of an elephant is five cubic meters and that is oh. our definition of an elephant for this, this calculation this another fun fact of this river this river is partially fed uh by lake bacall which is the largest freshwater lake by volume and it contains 22 um, anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of the world's fresh surface water wow Lake Bacall, yeah. Packed in yeah. Up it's, it's, also, it's a very deep lake, right? I was going to say, it's also the world's deepest lake. Yeah. Wow. It's Wow, it's got... It is deep. Yeah, it's supposed to be fairly how, pristine. How, how deep is it? Oh, almost a mile. 5,300. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, you wow. think about that. The Great Lakes are like, you know, hundreds, you know, three, four hundred feet deep at the deepest. This is... Over 3,000. Over 5,000. 5,280 5, feet. Yeah, it's 5,000. That's max is 5,387. 5, it's an ancient rift valley, and that's why it's so deep. And wow. it's, uh, it's, it's considered one of the world's oldest lakes. Hmm. It's the seventh largest by surface area. How about that? 5,000 feet deep for a lake. Yep. That makes Tahoe. I, know, I just looked it up. Lake Tahoe. This is totally off topic, but Lake Tahoe is a maximum depth of 1,645 feet. This is yeah. five times deeper yeah. than Lake Tahoe. And according to Maddie, our Patreon, Lake Superior is 1,300 feet deep. So what? And the, the, the deepest in North America is um, Crater Lake, right? I don't know what the deepest lake in North America is off the top of my head. Uh, so, and well, Crater Lake is... Um, it's the deepest in the U.S. Now, what's the lake up in northern Canada? That's that's deeper, but it is. Um, it's only it's it's just under two thousand feet deep. But let me wow. tell you, Lake Tahoe the, is probably the coldest lake I've ever been in. It is cold. 
the Great Slave Lake is two thousand yeah. feet deep in. Uh, no, northern... I've been I've been in some spring-fed ponds that were like. Oh chill. yeah, I hear it's. It, uh, people go the um, diving in the the natural springs in Florida. Whew, I hear that. Well, I mean, I'm talking about a natural spring in Florida. It's got to be like fifty degrees. Yeah, it's chilly. Degrees. It's chilly. It's I was. I, I also was there in June, and it was being fed from snowpack on the mountain. That's cold. Yeah, that's cold. exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cold. Yeah. I don't want to hear about a lake in Florida. Okay. Hey, guess what? Number five on this list <laughs> is. The game. Is the Ganges River, all right? And that flows through India and Bangladesh. That flows uh, to the Indian Ocean, or uh, ultimately the Indian Ocean. What's the Gulf? The Gulf it there? goes to the Bay of Bengal. Bengal, Bay of Bengal. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't write that down the outline. Um, all right. So that's uh, basically 2,500 kilometers long, or about uh, 1,569 miles long. Uh, yeah, but how many elephants per second? That's what I'm. Oh wondering. well, the answer is three thousand seven hundred and forty elephants per second. So right now, just so the top, uh, we're at number five right now. So number ten through five have all been hovering around three thousand, right? So like the the parent the Piranha River was number ten. That's basically twenty nine hundred. Oh, just just shy of three thousand. So all these numbers about three thousand. Uh, you know, in the three thousands for elephants per second, we're up to thirty seven hundred elephants per second. Number four, um, hey, Jesse, what's this fun fact about the uh, the Ganges River? <laughs> this is one of my favorite. Oh, Jesse wrote down this outline. Fun fact: corpse eating turtles. So, <laughs> please explain. Explain. Nope, this, I kind of want to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Ganges is. Um, it's known as you know mother ganges and it's it's a it's a very uh religious river for um people in in india i want to say it's hindu uh so what they do is well it's it's super polluted right just because so many people live on it and the monsoons just drive so much overland flow across you know across the surface of the, the 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 land into the river across the drainage basin but anyway <clears throat> so the part of the part of the reason it's polluted is because it's such a, a religious river one of the <clears throat> one of the traditions in the hindu culture is um you know bathing in the river can absolve your sins and then if you're if you die if you're cremated and and your ashes are, are placed in the river, y- you'll achieve some sort of salvation. What this sort of led to <clears throat> is that the, the river itself got polluted with tons of human ash, up to 50 tons of, of human ash a day. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of these, and it's, it's, it's human and animals. You want, you want to, you want your animals to achieve salvation too. Um, And their corpses, part of it is that during these cremation ceremonies, you're, some of these crematoriums, you know, are sort of just pyres that have been set up on the river. They're not, you know, crematoria where you're it's a blast furnace or something like that and so a a lot of times you're not cremating the entire body and so you're left with a lot of 
human human parts i don't know the way to be tactful about this remains partially burned bodies in the river human remains ah so close (laughs) uh and so it became sort of a a problem in in recent years in in the the 2010s or no it was in the in the 90s they started realizing yes we have a problem with just body parts in the river piling up and so one of the solutions was the release of these flesh-eating turtles um I did not expect that story to take that turn. (laughs) Michelangelo, Leonardo. (laughs) Yeah. Trionix gangiitis. Gangitis. My Latin is awful. Uh, It's a soft-shelled turtle species that's actually found in the Ganges. And it had sort of demonstrated that it has sort of this preference for uh, flesh. And they realized this because they saw this native turtle species that would come up to these funeral pyres and I don't know, start nibbling on flesh or whatever. Um, and so they, they ended up releasing 25,000 of these turtles into the Ganges over the, the 90s into the early 2000s. Um, and they, they tried to raise them on this diet of dead fish so they would develop a taste for human flesh wow they're going all out with this and basically like they found they eat everything except the bones like 10 adult turtles can consume an entire human body in two days wow Uh, yeah just (laughs) it's like mobster stuff yeah just like oh no it's just my turtle tank but anyway (laughs) i know from guy uh, ritchie movies the uh the pigs the pigs pigs, exactly yeah so they, they spent like $30 million on this and they, ra- they spent a lot of money raising and making sure that it would work. But... Like, as a theory, but once they released the turtles, they didn't really follow up with anything. And it just sort of fell apart pretty quickly because most of the turtles were poached and, and eaten or they, <laughs> oh. or they died from the pollution. Or they died nice. from the pollution. So, Anyway, they're, they, they've put in place more effective po- policies that don't dump a half-burned body in. Hmm. They've gone to They found that actually, if we just go and tell people, hey, if you're having this funeral and, and you're cremating a body, make sure it's fully cremated. Hmm. Just Anyway, that's wow. a fun fact. All right. Corpse-eating turtles. Ganges River. Uh, I don't know how to follow up with that, but I will. Uh, number four in the list is uh, the nearby Brahmaputra River. So both of these rivers uh, drain off of the Himalaya Mountains, the Ganges and Brahmaputra. Uh, Brahmaputra thro- ah, flows through China, India, Bangl- Bangladesh, and Tibet. Uh, the length of this one is 4,696 kilometers or 2,918 miles. And the discharge, 3,960 elephants per second. All right. Which brings a us elephants. a lot of elephants. But everything so, so far has been under 4,000 elephants per second. Now we're going to see these numbers really start to jump up. I, I just real quick, the Brahmaputra, I'm just looking at a map of it. It does it flow 
it sort of flows around the Himalaya mountains. You can trace some of it on around the, the western yeah. edge and along the southern end. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow. Yep. All right. Jesse really likes the, the geometry of that. Ew. Ew. <laughs> All right. So top three long largest rivers in terms of discharge in the world. Drumroll. Uh, well, no drum roll for number one, but uh the Yang Yangtze River in China, and this flows into the East China Sea. Uh, it has a length of 6,300 kilometers. That's much bigger than the yeah, previous rivers we've been talking super about. Super long. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. That's a big guy, uh, which is 3,900 miles. The discharge, we are now over 4,000 elephants per second. We're 4,360 elephants per second. It's... Uh, 770,000 cubic feet per second, or about 21,800 cubic meters per second. But now, 4,300 elephants we're, per second. We're joking about elephants per second, but think about it. Elephants yeah. per second. The last time you were at the zoo, right? How big an <laughs> elephant was? Per second. Over 4,000 elephants every second. Every That's second, incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot of elephants. It's a lot of elephants. Yeah. All right. Fun fact. Uh, the Yangtze River, in, not only is it the third biggest river in the world in terms of its discharge, it is also the third longest river in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you ever, you know, Yangtze, number three. All right. The Congo River. This might be one of my new favorite rivers. I learned a lot about 15 minutes before we started recording the podcast <laughs> <laughs> about yes. this river. Uh, all right. So it's in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, it's uh, 4,700 kilometers long or 2,920 miles long. Uh, it flows into the Atlantic Ocean. Its discharge is... Hang on. Remember, the Yangtze was 4,300-ish. Yeah. yeah. This, this is almost is... Ne This is nearly... Well, it's, it's not exactly double, but it's pretty close. 7,928 elephants per second. It's over a million. It's 1.4 million cubic feet per second. I'm, I'm going to start measuring my gas mileage in elephants per second. <laughs> but carry on. Um, so a couple of little fun facts about this. Uh, it is, uh, number one, the world's deepest river. Uh, it measures, it is like, it's 220 meters deep or 720 feet deep. Holy That's crazy. Crap. That's a deep river, right, fellas? Yeah. So... This, that's like a lake that happens to be flowing. That's a really freaking <laughs> deep river. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, scientists have calculated that the entire Congo Basin accounts for 13% of global hydropower potential. Let me read that one more time. Thir it, like, that one basin, the Congo River Basin, accounts for 13% of all the world's hydrologic power potential all right that's all that's crazy uh this would provide sufficient power for all of sub-saharan africa's electricity needs it's from that one river basin uh another fun we all the, the congo river is really cool so it also is the only major river to cross the equator twice neat so it must have high relief it must have a ton of relief in order for it to generate that much hydroelectric power uh yes i that, that's my guess i understand we don't have well, that gets, stat but yeah you got something mm, well it's hold just, on. Just, just that depth yeah yeah you think yeah. about it yeah 
So we'll come back to the Congo River in a couple minutes because there's another really cool fact. But we need to talk about number one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Add the drum roll right now. The number undis- one undisputed champion. Undisputed champion. Wow. Well, well, yeah. In for terms of discharge. For discharge. Right. In terms of discharge. discharge in terms yes. of discharge is the Amazon River, right? All right. So again, number three was 4,300 elephants yeah. per second. Number two was basically 8,000 elephants per second. Yeah. Number one is 42,475 elephants per second. So like five times the amount of elephants per second as number yes. two. And it's well, yeah. So the Congo River had a discharge of 1.4 million cubic feet per second. The Amazon River has a discharge of 7.5 million cubic feet per second. Holy shnikes, that is a lot. 4,200. I'm sorry, not 4,200. 42,000 elephants per second of water is being dumped out. You know, if people listen to only listen to like the second half of the podcast and hear us talking about elephants coming out of a river, they're going to be really, really lost. <laughs> First of all, who only listens to the second half of the podcast? Yeah. Second of all, shame on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, the Amazon represents 20% of the global, the global uh, riverine discharge into the ocean. That, wow. 20% of all the river discharge into the oceans comes oh just the ocean i'm sorry i guess that's the atlantic ocean comes from the amazon alone just that one river that one river yeah one fifth but if you think about if you look at that catch basin it's gigantic and you think about the amount of rainfall that it gets it's also gigantic so yeah so yeah the amazon basin it's the largest drainage basin in the world it has an area of about seven million square kilometers or 2.7 million square miles it's pretty big. All right. Big. We got some honorable mentions. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't talk about, you know. Oh, before we get into the honorable mentions, I just want to say that I've actually found several where we got this list from. Uh, well, this, well, I, I should say that I found several lists of the largest rivers in the world, and they, they tend to base the largest rivers in the world based on discharge. And so I guess it depends on how you calculate your averages, where you get your data from and the, you know, things like that. What time you of mu- year, all that stuff. Yeah. You might, you might look at another list and might say like, oh, I, you know, the list that I found isn't exactly, isn't exactly, you know, the same thing as what the flannel casters are talking about. So yes. what Chris is saying is come at me, bro. Yes. <laughs> get at me. <laughs> so this is just, but they're all pretty similar. All right. It's actually really hard to, you know, come up with a, an exact top 10. There's some controversy about some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, this is, this is just kind of a generalized thing. You know, we're, we're kind of doing for fun here. All right. With that said, uh, just don't send me any emails saying, well, this other website said that the Ganges was number three. Or, no, you know, please send Chris those emails. You can send them <laughs> to Steve at geologyflannelcast.com. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we have some honorable mentions. You can't talk about the largest rivers in the world and not mention the Nile River, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently there is some controversy about the length of these rivers, right? Uh, and I, I guess it just, it just depends on where, how far upstream do you consider the start of your river, right? And so some people go back and forth about this, but- Like um, the Missouri and the Mississippi? Yes, you're very upset about those 20 miles. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so the Nile River, it flows through a lot of, she's uh, a lot of countries in Africa, uh, Egypt, Sudan, South Sudan, Ethiopia, Uganda, Congo, Kenya, uh, uh, Tanzania. Tanzania. Tanzania, yeah, sorry. Uh, Rwanda and Burundi. Burundi, thank you. Um, so the Nile River is 6,650 kilometers long or 4,130 miles long. Um, and, but there is, uh, so most people would say the Nile River is the longest river in the world. But fun fact, there's a group of Brazilian scientists who claim that the Amazon River is actually longer than the Nile. Um, let's see. And uh, looks like uh, the discharge, uh, actually, these numbers don't look like it lines up right but uh the discharge doesn't look like it says uh actually no i'm sorry that is correct uh 2800 cubic meters per second of discharge so you know that doesn't even come what it was number 10 was uh 14 almost 15,000 cubic meters per second the the piranha river so the nile river doesn't really have it's it doesn't even compare uh, no you know, that's like an there. elephant yeah uh i could actually <laughs> Do the math if you guys want to, you know, yep. cover me for about 30 seconds. So uh, we have <clears throat> 566 rivers. elephants. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. All right. What are you going to say? Nope. Carry on. <laughs> All right. I, I was trying to stall for Just you. Stall. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. 566 elephants. So. All right. Um, fun fact. Uh, about, I didn't know about this, and it makes sense. But uh, basically, back in the day, back in the like the old school day, when Pangea was a thing, it there is uh, some thought that the Amazon River and the Congo Rivers were part of the same, like a cohesive river, mm. and uh, and so it kind of um, it's really really cool talking, you know. I guess reversing the the tectonics and uh, uh, but yeah, there's there's uh, looks like some people feel that uh, these two rivers um, there's there's some evidence that shows that the Congo uh, the Congo River and uh, the and the Amazon River may have been connected at one point. It produced a river around six thousand miles long or about ten thousand kilometers long. Crazy! It's a, a big river. That is a really big river. I mean, you think about Pangea was pretty big, so that would make sense. Yeah, it was okay. That's. I mean, that's so the Nile is. It was no Gondwana land. <laughs> that's crazy. The, the Nile is forty-one hundred miles long, and they're saying that this was six thousand miles long. It's a big river. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. So we got right. different types. Of river morphology, right? So morphology just means shape. If you think, well, what does morphology mean? Basically, it just means shape. Um, yeah. You have, so you could have a, a straight river. Usually, we see those things have a, a high gradient, so very, very steep setting. Um, you're only getting incising occurring. You like in like uh, mountainous highlands. Um, and incising, basically, you're cutting down cutting down yeah or you can get them uh, like along coastal plains where uh, you know you have low to no gradient uh basically you're low low energy setting and it you just got no energy very very low energy setting 
So that means bleh. Yeah. So th- me, yeah. Me every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Moving on, we have uh, braided rivers. Braided rivers are cool. I think they're really yeah. pretty. I like braided. Yeah. Uh, you have high sediment loads, so lots and lots of sediment in these rivers. Uh, variable discharge. One of the coolest things I saw, and uh, you know, you hear about this, and it doesn't register until you actually see it. So I was out in a couple of years ago. I was driving through Colorado. I was out in uh, uh, Great Sand Dunes National Park, and they, they got a couple sand dunes out there, give or take. Right? It's 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 pretty great. And there is, uh, I want to say it's a Sangre del Crisco Mountains right on, right next to the, the park there. I might be wrong, but I think those are the mountains right on the edge of the park. Anyways, so you have these giant, sand, you have a thousand foot, you've, there's a sand, the highest sand dunes, like a thousand feet tall at Great Sand Dunes National Park. It's huge. So, of course, you've got a crap ton of sediment there, right? And you have this drain, and you have the drainage coming off of the off the mountains right there, and you have a, like a, a there's a little braided little braided system right there, and it was the craziest thing. We we're sitting there, and there's like kids like playing in the playing in the river and stuff like that, and it's uh, it's a pretty cool place to hang out. But you could actually see the pulses of water. You could see that variable. Uh, it, it's just just the 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 water alone. Uh, the discharge of the water was just it, it pulse come. You see this like this flux of water come down, and then it would. It stopped for a little bit, and then the next pulse would come down, like maybe like five minutes later. It was it was pretty wild seeing that seeing that like in person. Yeah, I, I've actually you know on a much much smaller scale, I've seen it on construction sites where you, you pile up a bunch of sediment off to the side, and then it rains, and you can see this braided system coming oh, off yeah, of yeah, these sure, sure. S- sediment piles essentially, and then it gets down to where it's a much lower gradient, and then it channelizes and or it distributes so um yeah pretty pretty wow yeah yeah and you can actually you look you can see a lot of neat stuff drainage stuff at construction sites yeah (laughs) um but then we have meander which is at a low gradient right Mm. what does that mean means your river's meandering around yep so it lots of weaving bends yeah a snake pattern Yep. So I actually looked up the etymology of the word meander. It comes from the Greek meandros, which is an old name for a river in Asia Minor, which is also known as the meandres. Implies a winding course and a lazy movement and is still sometimes associated with rivers. Yes, it is. So it, not, not sometimes. Not sometimes. It a, is. a lot of times, yeah. So because I, I was I was wondering, like you, we've all heard the term like oh meander around. Like I wasn't sure if that described rivers or if rivers was describing the motion of wandering around aimlessly and it turns out it was all from the river so it was from this one river in in asia minor where it basically was flowing back and forth and back and forth and you know you have a low gradient so it's just cut banks and point bars and you know cutting cutting into the landscape so to speak and so i just i don't know i thought it was yeah that's cool it's really neat to see where interesting where this stuff comes from and there's one last um, type of river morphology, and that is anastomosing. Maybe some people haven't heard of this one before. People don't really talk about anastomosing, unless you're like an actual geologist, and then, then you know, um, talk about it. But uh, a lot of people aren't aware of this, uh, this 
category of river morphology. And anastomosing, you see these in, in low gradient settings, but they have these stable, cohesive banks. And so it's, you have many, many channels uh, within, within the river system. It's kind of similar to a braided system, but not, not really. It's a little different. Braided systems, the channels are moving around and they're always bopping. It's, it's changing. It's a very, very dynamic setting. Whereas your anastomosing setting tends to have these uh, multiple channels, lots and lots of channels, but it's, it's, more, it's more stable. It's not, it's not changing. Yeah, so in like a braided system, a braided system the channel itself has all of the it splits apart and comes back together and splits apart and comes back together but from one year to the next where it splits where you have these splits and reunions changes in an anastomosing system there there are much more stable channels that are splitting and joining back together and splitting and joining back together that you know if you go from year to year where the splits and reunions are don't change Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. much more stable yeah so uh and you tend to see these uh i guess along coastal plain type settings low gradient right you wouldn't um coastal plains pretty close to the ocean yeah um yeah pretty so anastomosing comes from anastomosis a medical or latin term greek meaning outlet opening uh anna up on or upon and stoma mouth to furnish with mouth thus the syllable conjugate anyway basically <laughs> just like really you said enjoying that that was <clears throat> coastal plain it's a mouth of the river opening up <laughs> and just spewing out into these dis distributaries i guess could you call it yeah you get these what are sometimes called distributary systems dfs where they're splitting apart. Um, this is one of my pet peeves. Rivers start at the headwaters and they end at the mouth. Ah. It just, I don't know why it makes me so angry. Because why doesn't it end at the, on your, why doesn't it end the, the foot? foot or the yeah. tail or yeah, something? The toe, the toe yeah. of the glacier, you know. Toe of the glacier. Yeah. yeah a, you know, you could have a bird foot delta, it's a foot. There you go. Ah, just gets me. So this is our petition to rename the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the most, uh, the terminal downstream portion of the river to the foot of the river and not in the mouth of the river. There you go. Because you well, think of like mouth, like things go into your mouth, right? If things are coming out of your mouth, it means you're regurgitating, you're sick, right? Something, something went wrong if stuff's coming out of your mouth, right? Uh, I, stuff is coming out of our mouths currently, Chris. Well, words. Air, I guess <laughs> words don't come out of your mouth. Air. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yes. Uh, some people listening might say, like, this is just regurgitation. But uh, anyway. <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like we we hit rivers hard. We. Uh, I, f- I hope you had you felt like you had a torrent of information coming at you. Ooh, I love it. A, yeah. a flood, if you will. Many yes. elephants per seconds of information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, and and again, we you know sometimes we do topics, sometimes we just do current events. You know, uh, send us emails. Let us let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, and you know, when when you're sending us com- comments, you know, buy a coffee mug or a 
sticker or a t-shirt <laughs> or check out the formatting formula. <laughs> you can check all that fun stuff out at geologyflannelcast.com. That is yeah. our website. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess we don't really probably won't have that many links for no, We'll throw some links up there. Um, any links that we talk about from the, from the show, we post up there on the, on the website. Um, yeah. Real quick. What's your favorite river? <gasps> oh, let's do it. You know what? Damn. I knew you're going to ask this. I, uh, I was like, I hope he doesn't ask what my favorite river is. I think Jesse knows my favorite river and I'm thinking it's oh. pretty, pretty close to his favorite river. Mm-hmm. Mine is, can I say it? Yeah. All right. The Susquehanna, the Susquehanna river. It's a good one. And why is it my favorite? I do believe it is the oldest river on the planet. It's at least one of them. Yeah. And I don't have any evidence to back this up other than the fact that uh, the Appalachian Mountains are pretty old and the Susquehanna Mountain, the Susquehanna River cuts through them. Dissects them. So it had to be there before those mountains. Yep. Anywhere from 260 to 325 million years old. At least. At least. Yeah, if not older, right? Oh, there's, there's, Mississippi really takes the name Old Man River. Mississippi's got nothing on. No, Mississippi is like the the younger stepchild of the Susquehanna. How about the? Um, well, we talked about this briefly before the show, but the New River. Yeah, which is it's also new. Super, super old. But that comes be- through the Appalachians, and that's the only. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's yeah, it is. It's the only river that starts east of the Appalachian, east of yeah, on the uh, east of the Appalachian, cuts through the Appalachians and actually drains into the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. Yeah. Does it? What about the French Broad? Oh no, yeah. Ash. That's in Asheville. Yeah, well, but the could, Susquehanna starts west, Knoxville, right? west of the Appalachians and ends Does, up in the Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes. It's going to the east, but I'm saying the the new river is going to the west. It cuts across. But does the French? Oh, pro- it goes. New river flows west. Yeah. Yeah. I think it hooks up with the Ohio River. The Ohio. Yeah. All right. Let I'm going to stop talking before I dig myself into. No, it. but but anyway, <laughs> anyway, there there's some. All right, but we haven't heard what Jesse's contribution oh, yeah, to this. Mine is easy. It's the Schuylkill River. Ah, Google is nobody outside of the Mid-Atlantic states knows what you're talking about right now. They should. It's the orange one, right? It is. It it might (laughs) be at certain times. You know, it it is orange. It fueled the Industrial Revolution. It did. It did actually in in the states, at least in the U.S. Ah, another fun fact: uh, the Cuyahoga River in Ohio. It's gonna. uh, It caught fire. It's just, it hey, caught fire three times in the I want to say the the 60s and 70s. I think somewhere and that listen, that that's what fueled the uh, environmental revolution. And <laughs> no, but I, I'm pretty sure that's why I have a job right now. So, <laughs> right. Um, but but Cuyahoga River. But back to the Schuylkill. Um, Schuylkill River is a major major river. First of all, it, it's a confluence of the Delaware and the Schuylkill is where philadelphia is the cradle of liberty thank you yes. very much uh but also like jesse said like uh, if millions and millions of probably trillions of tons of coal 
that fired the industrial revolution that fired, you know, the American revolution came out of the Schuylkill river. So came down the Schuylkill river, I yeah. should say. So, <laughs> so it's, is it, uh, there's a, it's, it's funny today when you go, like, if you're going to the international airport, you, you go across the, the Platte bridge there. If you're going down 95, <clears throat> the Gerard point bridge, you cross, you can see the confluence of the Schuylkill and the Delaware. But when, um, you know, European settlers came up, up the Delaware from, from present day Delaware and Christiana and whatnot, they settled in the Philadelphia region and they knew the Schuylkill was there and they knew Delaware was, was where it was, but they couldn't find the confluence because it was so wooded. And there's a few small little islands there. Hog Island and the other one. That's where Hoagie comes from. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was so so wooded and and so Schuylkill is is an old Dutch word, old Dutch the language, not just like an old word. I mean, it's old, <laughs> but uh, it, that basically means like hidden river or hidden creek. Neat. Oh, another yeah. fun fact about rivers is in Dutch, Kiel. Kill, yeah, yeah. Kill, it, uh, yeah. So, like, in, uh, where you had like a lot of Dutch influence in the United States when it was being settled, like up in New York. That's why you have like the Catskills kill, you know, yeah. a lot yeah, of that Catterskill stuff. and the, Platt, yeah. yeah. So that kill, that, that that's kill, Dutch, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, means I believe it just means river, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So another fun Very fact cool. about rivers, man. If you guys are complaining that there wasn't enough facts for you guys in this, this podcast, nothing but fun facts. You got to check your head. I don't know. I, you got to find a different yeah. podcast. Fun facts and real facts. I'm <laughs> telling you. I tell you what. Yeah. If you didn't think there was enough fun facts or real facts, look in the mirror because that's yeah. not you. Yeah. <laughs> we did but. our part this week. <laughs> we did. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you so much to our Patreons, especially yes. some of our fact-checking Patreons as we uh, <laughs> podcast live. So thank you. Um, if you'd like to become a Patreon, check us out on Patreon, Geology Flannel Cast. And we have Instagram now at uh, Geology Flannel Cast, where we changed our picture once in six years. Uh, but we're getting Let's on Let's talk about it. this Instagram thing real fast. Yeah. I think if it uh, actually, never mind. That's just so much. Yes, we're working on. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. Jumping, we, uh, re, re, re jump, jump, what? Revamping our Instagram. Yes, we're, we're actually trying to update it. I, I, I logged on. I, use, I'm using air quotes right now to Instagram because I'm old, and I'm like, well, I don't even know how to do stuff. How do I like? It took me like 20 minutes to change a picture. So. <laughs> So Steve's we're, learning. We're, we're slowly working. Steve's trying to figure out the whole Insta thing, you know. Yeah, Steve was born in the seventies, so it's it's a struggle. The struggle is real. So, Come on, uh, man, if Trump can do the whole uh, Twitter thing right. like he's doing now, man, you uh, can handle first Instagram. Of, <laughs> first of all, uh, we're not even into that. Second of all, he's <laughs> he's been banned from Twitter. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm learning. So we're gonna try it. We do have a Twitter at Geo Flannelcast. Um. So and we do have Facebook too. So check us out on Facebook. I'm I, I'm old enough where I can know Facebook. So check us out on all these different platforms. Like us, love us. Check YouTube out YouTube as well. Yep. Oh, YouTube. Oh. When we talk about we're doing hand motions, you can actually see our hand motions. Yes. Yeah. It's glorious. So uh, Chris does most of his podcasting without a shirt on. So check that out. 
So take it or leave it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, check us out. Uh, give us some likes. And uh, it's uh, January, which means you should join with some friends and listen to our podcast. That's terrible. I like it. I got yeah. it. That's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good enough. All right. This was a long one. Thank you so yeah. much for listening, everyone. Uh, we love you guys. And we will see you guys next week for another action packed episode of the premier geology flannel cast out there on the interwebs, the geology flannel cast. Thanks a lot, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.